Hello, North Church, Pastor Rodney here, and I'm thrilled about this weekend as we start a new collection of talks called The Paradox of the Cross. And we're gonna be looking at 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians during this time. Now, next week, we're gonna have a special time of celebrating in water baptism. Do you realize that 76 times in the New Testament, baptism is mentioned? Well, baptism is an act of obedience to Jesus. He didn't suggest it, he didn't recommend it. He commanded us to be baptized and example that himself. It is also about identifying with Jesus, and also it is an act of renewal in Jesus. So if you have not been water baptized, let us know. We wanna all celebrate together next weekend. So right now, would you give it up to our lead pastor in Oklahoma City as he starts off this collection of talks, Samson Varghese. I am so glad to be with you tonight. Uh, last week, if you noticed, I wasn't here. Uh, I was on vacation with my family. Uh, we had a great trip. Uh, and it was, we actually went out to the lake, Lake Eufaula. And, you know, if you know me, you know that I don't know how to swim. Okay? Uh, but get ready to cheer because I was determined. And guess what? Pastor Samson learned how to swim. Mostly, okay, Most, I should have said that first, okay? And so how it happened, just so you, go, you guys know, is uh, we went out to, we had a little pool next to the, the little house that we were staying, uh, and so me and my family, my parents were there, my sister and brother-in-law were there, all the little kids, all the cousins were there, and so we all went to the pool, uh, and my wife noticed that my dad knows how to swim. Uh, and she was just taking that, she's like, how does your dad know how to swim, but you don't know how to swim? I was like, he never taught me, okay? And so he's, she was like, just ask your dad to teach you how to swim. And my dad's looking at us, and my dad looks at me and says, Samson, I will teach you how to swim. And then he's in the pool, and he holds out his hand. He says, come, let me carry you. <laughs> so I tried that. <laughs> And uh, after a while, it got a little, uh, little frustrating, okay, because I wasn't able to float. And so I decided, I'm going to get out of the pool. I grabbed my phone. I opened up YouTube, and I typed in, how do you swim, okay, how to swim. And I found a YouTube video, uh, and the YouTube is actually super helpful because the guy on there said, hey, the number one thing you got to learn is how to float and the way you float. And if you don't know how to swim, okay, uh, here's a, a, a trick to learn, okay? Is you, he said you have to take in a large breath and you hold air in your lungs and then you'll naturally float. At least that's what the YouTube video said, okay? So I'm watching this. I'm sitting there for like 10 minutes watching this tutorial. I'm like, I'm gonna try. I'm ready. I'm ready to go out there and try. So I go out there, take in some air, hold it in my lungs, and guess what I do? I drown. Yeah, I, I was not floating. Something about me, I don't know what it was. I wasn't floating, I was getting frustrated and frustrated. And finally, finally, I had this realization. I had these two conflicting ideas in my head. The YouTube guy telling me all you gotta do is hold your breath and you'll what? Float. But then the reality was, I was drowning, okay? Now the, re the reason I bring this up is because of this idea uh, that you might have heard of called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. Uh, and it's this notion of holding two competing opposite ideas 
in your mind at the same time, right? On, on one side, you hold this thing to be true. I can swim. If I just hold my breath, I'll, I'll swim. And then the other side, you're saying, I'm definitely going to die and drown, okay? And the reason I bring that up is, is we're in this, this collection of talks, the paradox of the cross, as we're talking about this, we're in First and Second Corinthians, and Paul is dealing with this church that is actually dealing with cognitive dissonance of their own, right? On one side, they are listening to God's word and they're getting godly wisdom, the wisdom of the Lord. And on the other side, they're influenced by the world that they inhabit. And so they're getting the wisdom of the world. And somehow they're trying to live with both God's wisdom and the world's wisdom at all the same time. And they're creating cognitive dissonance. And here's what psychologists say, is that when you have cognitive dissonance, what will happen is you'll create tension within yourself and it'll actually cause you to have anxiety and worry. And how many know when you're divided within yourself, that division spreads outside of yourself. And so in this church, there was divisions. And so that's what we're gonna deal with. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to just grab it. We're gonna jump right in. First Corinthians chapter one. And we'll pick it up at verse 10, because Paul just gets right into it. Verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose, right? Let there be no cognitive dissonance in your mind. Be united. For some members, verse 11, of Chloe's household, that's a leader in the church, have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others say, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ, right? So here's these factions forming, and everybody's trying to like one-up each other. Verse 13, has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. Come down to verse 17. He says, for Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. See, what's the problem happening in this church? The problem is that the wisdom of the world is seeping into the church. The wisdom of the world is seeping into the church. And that's not just true of the Corinthian church, that's true of North Church and the capital C Church across the world. The wisdom of the world is seeping into the church. Let me, let me put it this way. We have a five-year-old, his name is Charlie. Uh, and uh, a few weeks ago, uh, my wife went to go pick up Charlie from childcare and knows he had a huge knot on the back of his head. Uh, and so she was really concerned. They didn't, the child care folks didn't know what happened. And so my wife calls me and she says, Samson, we have to go to the urgent care right now. And so here's the thing about my wife. My wife is a registered nurse. And if you know anything about registered nurses is they never go to the hospital for anything, okay? They're just like rub dirt on it, move on with life, okay? But when my wife says, we gotta go to the hospital, I know this is serious, so I jump in. We go meet at the urgent care. We walk in. As we're walking in, Charlie's telling us, Mommy, it's a spider. A spider bit me. A spider bit me. And Hope is looking at this thing. It's like, that doesn't look like a spider bite. That looks like you hit your head and you can't remember what happened, okay? So we walk in. The doctor comes in, and 
automatically, she looks right at Charlie's head and says, oh, looks like he got a spider bite. Charlie was right, okay? And so as we're walking back to the car, Charlie looks up at his mom and he says, mommy, does this mean I'll have Spider-Man powers? Now, in Charlie's mind, okay, Peter Parker got bitten by a spider and got Spider-Man powers, okay? So if Charlie gets bitten by a spider, what does he get? Spider-Man powers, obviously. Can I tell you this? Uh, the, the culture that we consume informs our reality, right? It shapes our reality. And for Charlie, what he consumed, the culture that he consumes shaped his reality. Of course, I'm going to be Spider-Man now. Can I tell you the podcasts we listen to, the, the TV shows we stream, right? Uh, the, the folks that we allow on the news channel to speak to us about what's going on in the world, they influence us, right? So we're walking around looking at influencers to tell us what we should dress like right? We're looking at at Facebook to tell us what we should feel like. We're looking at a podcaster to tell us what we should think like. And here's what happens. The world is ready to preach its wisdom at you, to say, you know what? Yeah, you know, just if you watch this movie and if you listen to this podcast, you'll, you'll get the word. The world will preach at you, right? They'll give you the wisdom of the world. And what is it? Well, this is how love should be. Or or this is how, this is how you should handle your career. Or, or, or this is how you should handle money. And the world will give you its gospel. And Paul is saying, listen, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful what part of the world you're letting seep into your heart. Because you'll soon enough be carrying around a cognitive dissonance, right? God's wisdom and the world's wisdom. And Paul is calling us to say, no, you gotta pick who you're gonna listen to. So how do we overcome the wisdom of the world that's seeping into our lives? Look at verse 18. Paul says, the message of the cross is foolish to those headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Here's the paradox of the cross. The very people that can be saved and need to be saved are the very people that turn away from the cross. Verse 22, it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. So in Paul's world, uh, Jewish people were expecting their Messiah to come riding on a horse victorious as a king with miracles and signs following after, not for a savior to die on a cross. It didn't line up. Gentiles were looking for someone like Caesar, someone who can speak truth and who can be a rhetorician, right? Who can, who can be all, uh, give all the debates. That's not Jesus. Look at verse 24. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest human strength. So how do we overcome the wisdom of the world seeping into our life? We need the power of God. And what is that power? The power is the wisdom, is in the wisdom of God expressed 
in the foolish message of the cross. In the foolish message of the cross. I don't know if you guys ever did a magic eye growing up. Do you guys know what a magic eye is? Like, I, am I the only millennial that ever had to do like with newspapers, okay? Uh, it would come in the newspaper, like comic books, comic section, right? And you stare at this thing, okay? And uh, some of y'all look at, this isn't evil, okay? This is just a, they just call it a magic eye. Okay, you look at it, okay? And you kind of have to like cross your eyes, a little blur your eyes, and this like 3D image will pop out, okay? For you Gen Zers, it was like a holographic Pokemon card, okay? <laughs> That's what it was like. And so I'm looking at this and then, and then the image will pop out or words will pop out, right? It, it was kind of cool. Some people just didn't get it. They can stare at all they want. They just never got it. And so what Paul is saying here is like some people will look and completely miss the gospel, right? And, and part of the reason these Jews and these Gentiles are missing the gospel is because they have these preconceived ideas of what the Savior should look like. And Jesus doesn't line up to their preconceived ideas, so they just reject him right from the jump. And so he says, to those people, there's no point. But to move from that, how does that affect us, us as believing people? Well, as believing people, the way that we realign our life, the way that we get our life straight is by looking to the cross of Jesus. Right? I, I like this quote. I saw this in my study this week. It's by a guy named Thomas Schreiner. He says, every area of dispute and every matter dividing believers must be recalibrated and rethought and lived out in light of the truth that Jesus Christ is the crucified, risen Lord. Everything has to be recalibrated, recalibrated to the cross. This uh, last week when we were on vacation, we stayed at this beautiful Airbnb thing and had this really cool fridge I don't know if you have seen fridges like, I don't have a fridge like this, okay? Where like you dial in the number of ounces of water you want, you put the cup and you push a button and it automatically drizzles in. Have y'all seen this? All right, see, I, was, I thought it was cool. None of y'all think that's cool, but I thought it was cool. And so I sat there, I put my little cup there and I put in eight ounces and I pushed pour and I like did that little number, right? And I come back and I look at it and it's like that much water. Clearly not eight ounces. So I'm like, I turn it up to like 10 ounces and come back still like that much water. And then I'm like, okay, 30 ounces, okay? I hit pour and I come back and it's barely filled up the cup. And I'm like getting frustrated. My sister walks over uh, and she's like, oh, Samson, our fridge at home does this thing too. Uh, over time, this thing kind of messes up and it needs to be recalibrated every once in a while so it can get the right amount. Can I tell you, our lives are a little bit like that is that we can slowly drift away from the cross of Jesus. We can slowly drift away from the wisdom of God. And we find ourselves falling into the wisdom of this world and what the world says we should do and when marriage gets hard or when finances become difficult, right? Or our career becomes hard. And we say, well, what, is, what do these people say? What does the world say? But we are called not to live in alignment with the world, but in alignment with Jesus, with the cross of Jesus, right? And so there is this recalibration that we have to do from time to time, where we come into the presence of God. I was listening to the message uh, last week. Pastor Clint talked about having a reset moment in your life, right, in, in your day-to-day. -day. And, and I love that concept, having this reset. Uh, and, and the way I do it, I'll, I'll just give you a simple tool that you can just take home and try it yourself. The way I do it sometimes is through fasting. And not necessarily like fast like a whole day or like a week or anything like, you can fast just like one meal. 
right? And if you're feeling that you're, like something is off in life, like something's not measuring up, whether it's, it's in my marriage or it's with the way that I, I handle my kids or, or maybe in, in how I'm handling my coworkers, my, my work, whatever that is, I'll say, you know what, this lunch, I'm just gonna skip lunch altogether. I'm gonna find a quiet place, right? Maybe that's in my car. Uh, maybe that's somewhere in a broom closet. I don't care, right? I'm gonna find a quiet place. I'm gonna pull out my Bible, right? And I'm gonna get a journal out. And I'm gonna read God's word. And if you don't know where to start, you can just start at like anywhere in the North Church plan that we're at, right? And then I'll look at God's word and I'll, I'll look at it and I'll, I'll start to write and say, well, God's word, this is what it says, right? And I'll say, God, I feel like this is what you're telling me. And then I'll pray a prayer and I'll write that out. And, and maybe 20, 30 minutes and I skipped a meal, okay? But let me tell you what happens. This realigning happens in life, right? Where Maybe the thing in your marriage didn't change or the thing in your job didn't change or the thing with your money didn't change, but something inside of you changed, right? And you're, you're not drifting anymore. Right now, you come out of that thing realigned and reinvigorated, full of the power that God is talking about, what, what Paul is talking about. And you become different. That's how you change your world because that change happens inside of you. So how do we keep the cross as our focus? Let's keep reading, verse 26, this is what it says. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes. I like the way Paul says that. He's like, hey, listen guys, there's not a lot of smart people here, okay? Not a lot of 4.0 GPAs walking around here. There weren't a lot of powerful or wealthy when God called you, 27. Instead, God chose the things the world considers, what? Foolish. In order to shame those who think they are wise, God chose the things that, that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose the things despised by the world, the things counted as nothing at all. That word, that phrase, the things counted nothing at all, that is one of the, the most derisive statements you can make in the Greek language. It is like the least you can talk about somebody. It's, it's to say, to treat somebody like as if they don't even exist. And Paul is saying, those are the people God chose and he used them to bring to nothing that which the world considers important. Verse 29, as a result, no one could ever boast in the presence of God. So when we realign ourselves, we have to also remind ourselves this. The people God chooses are a bunch of foolish, powerless, despised nobodies. That's who God chooses. And that keeps us from being all prideful and puffed up, walking around with our head held high, causing more divisions in our presence. Because we have to constantly be reminded that before Jesus stepped into our life, we were pretty messed up. And we're still messed up. Like, it's not just that one point where we first got saved. Some of you got saved at eight years old, right? And you may say, you know, I was pretty sinful in third grade. Let me tell you. But can I tell you the reality is that God is still working on us. Paul says that we are being saved, right? He is changing us even now. Every time we realign ourselves with the cross and we realign ourselves with Jesus, he changes us. Let me tell you about one of those points in my life. When... Me and my wife got married. Uh, I had $95,000 in debt, just me, 
okay? 92 of which was student loans. So I just want you to think about this for a moment, okay? My wife married me when I had $95,000 in debt and I still didn't know how to swim, okay? (laughs) Like, if that's not love, I don't know what is, okay? And so before we got married, we did premarital counseling. We even took an FPU class and we had this idea in our head that we would pay off that debt. Uh, The thing that we weren't aligned on is the timeline of that. Uh, For me, it was like maybe like in 10 years, we'll get all that straightened out. For my wife, it was like, we need to get this now. We gotta be aggressive. And the first few months of our marriage, it was like contentions, divisions, factions, whatever you wanna call it, we were at each other. Anytime the topic of money came up, we were just butting heads. And finally, after one of those fights, okay, because guess what, pastors have fights too, okay? Uh, my wife goes into a different room and she prays a prayer that completely changes the trajectory of our marriage. She prays to God. I didn't even know she prayed this at the time. She prays to God and she says, God, I'm gonna commit this to you. I'm gonna stop talking to Samson about money and bringing up this topic to him. And I'm just gonna let you do it. And how many know the Holy Spirit has a much more powerful voice than any human. And he began to speak to me. And it took several weeks and months even. And I remember how it happened. I was driving to Dallas, Hope wasn't even there. I was with a friend. We were driving through Dallas, Texas. And I was just talking to my friend. He was asking about my marriage. We were newlyweds at the time. So he's like, hey, how's marriage going? And I'm talking to him about kind of all the things that we're doing. And suddenly I start talking about money. And just out of my own like mouth, I start talking about how we need to pay back our debt how we need to get our money straight and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, as I'm talking, it's like the Holy Spirit is doing the talking. I have this realization that we need to have alignment in this because too much of my wisdom when it came to money was informed by the wisdom of the world. Because what does the world teach me? The world taught me, you know what, this is good debt. The world taught me, you know what, you're put on this planet to consume, to get the latest car, to get the latest house, to get the latest phone. And God tells me, you know, you're put on this word to contribute, right? To give, to invest in people, to invest into the kingdom, right? Uh, the world tells you, you know, when you have money problems, all you need is more money. And when God tells you, when you have money problems, what you need is not more money, but more wisdom on how to steward the money God gives you. And I had this realization, I had to get this right. And I remember I sat down on the couch with my wife when I got back from that trip. I said, Hope. I'm ready to go all in. That was April of 2016. Exactly 22 months from that point, we were completely debt free. $95,000 of debt wiped out. And since then, we've started financial peace classes here at North Church. And we've seen year after year, couples in our church find freedom. Let me tell you, if that story resonated with you, let me tell you, we're starting a class here in just a little under a month, and you can actually go sign up for it. We got, because of a donor, we're actually able to offer the first 100 packets for free. And so you can sign up both here in Oklahoma City and in Guthrie. You can go out to the lobby afterwards and sign up for that. But here's what I wanna tell you. Maybe you're here, and you feel like something is off. 
Maybe it's not your finances. Maybe you feel like something is off uh, in your relationships, in your friendships. Maybe you feel like something is off uh, in, uh, in your career, in your job, the way you interact with your coworkers. Something just feels not right. You feel like you've drifted. There's misalignment somewhere. Maybe it's time for you to recalibrate, to recalibrate your mindset, your life, your heart, to the cross. Maybe you're here, and it's not about something feeling off, you just know you need to recalibrate. You need to center your life on Christ, and you just know it. Here's what I wanna do. We're gonna have a moment for you to hear from God, to let him move in your heart. And I said, if, if that's you and you're like, hey, I, that's me, I, I, need to, I need to get that realignment or I'm just feeling off about some area in my life, I'm gonna ask you just to stand up right now as I'm talking, both here in Oklahoma City and Guthrie. If that's you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If that's you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Across Guthrie, I believe you're standing. I wanna pray over you that you draw in You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to fast right now. You don't need to do anything. You just need to take a moment right now with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I need right now for you to come and meet me where I'm at. And I need a recalibration to realign my, my thoughts with not the wisdom of this world, but with the wisdom of God. To realign my life with the wisdom of God that's found in the cross of Jesus. Let me tell you, God doesn't look for you to come to him when you got things together. Remember, God chooses who? The despised, right? The powerless, those that are nothing in the world's eyes, the nobodies. You don't have to be a somebody to respond to this. You can feel like a nobody and know that there's somebody looking at you right now through the eyes of Jesus. And he's looking at you right now exactly where you're at. I wanna pray a prayer over you, but I'm gonna give you a challenge. Here in Oklahoma City and in Guthrie, our prayer team's gonna make their way to the front. And I'm just gonna challenge you to make this a moment for you. Let me pray for you first. Father, right now, I pray for every single person standing up, both here in Oklahoma City and in Guthrie, online. I pray right now, Lord, that you would meet us where we're at. Misaligned drifted, whatever it may be, that you would meet us where we're at. Those divisions in our heart, those factions that we formed in our mind, the cognitive dissonance, the things that's weighing on us, that's creating a toll on us emotionally, spiritually, physically. Right now, we would give it all to you. We would shut out the noise and we would draw close to you. Let this be a holy moment In Jesus' name I pray, amen.